you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I just in uh, uh, Jan gave us a prophetic word as uh, Heather was teaching. Uh, Heather was speaking as well. So, if you'd like to uh, find your seat, I would just like you to um, close your eyes right now. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Um, as we're making our seats, I'm not sure how many of you have been able to meet Jan Lester. She's a very good friend of mine, Lennington. I just changed her name. <laughs> um, uh, Jan is a, a very good friend of mine, and uh, she's an um, ordained pastor. And she actually was senior pastor for about nine months at a fairly large church in Arizona. So we're going to be richly blessed, of course, as we get to know Jan, as we get to know all of us. But I just invite you to close your eyes as she gave me a prophetic word while we were worshiping. So close your eyes and see, see your heart. It's a soil. Your heart is soil. And as Heather and Kirsten led us in worship, and his love was pouring in, weeds were being pulled out. Weeds, lies, hard places that nothing else has been able to penetrate. Not your hard work, not your willpower, nothing else has been able to penetrate. And the Lord's love has been pulling out those weeds. And as Heather comes and shares, these are seeds that Heather's going to share, and they're not seeds that she just grabbed haphazardly. These are the seeds that God has given us as women of the gathering place. And she start, he started them in Heather, in Heather's life, making these seeds. Heather's been gleaning these seeds from her life experience with him and from the word. And these seeds are now going to be given to the soil of your heart. And I want you to know your, your heart is ready. Your heart is ready. So relax. Enjoy. Let these seeds go deep. And we bless Heather and we set her apart, Father. Let nothing, nothing interfere. You're depositing more of you into us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kirsten. Doesn't Kirsten play the piano rad? Yeah, give her a hand. Wayne, where are you? Ooh, he got raptured. These lights are so bright. I don't want them on. Okay. Well, yeah, that helps a little. Let's do that. He'll turn them off, I'm sure, in a second anyway. Well, hi. I'm so glad you're all here. Many of you, your faces came to my mind this week, and I'm very happy to see you. So, what I'm going to do is just share a little bit of my own journey over the last few years. And then 
<clears throat> we're going to have um, a couple of songs played while we just respond to the Holy Spirit and soak and uh, just let God uh, speak to us. And I'll give you a little bit more direction when we get to that point. And then we're going to go into a more extended time of worship because I know you ladies are ready to worship and I love that. <laughs> um, but I wanted to give you, I, I wanted to talk first because when revelation comes, worship is generally a response. And so I'm hoping that, that what God has been speaking to me over the last few years will, will initiate something, will spark something in you, and it will bring your worship and your experience and your encounter, that's why we call this encounter, um, to a deeper degree. So I have to start with um, this process that God started doing in me that was um, not fun. <laughs> um, it goes back a couple of years. Um, I'm married. I have been married to AJ for 19 years. We just celebrated. It's my daughter right there, Emily, if you don't know. And I have an older son, Joshua, who's 16, and a younger son, Zach, who just turned 12. So I am a very blessed woman. So when you hear me talk about some of this darkness, it's it's... It's, we all go through it, you know, and it can look like we've just got it all together and just, you know, live with unicorns on puffy white clouds, you know, but that's just not the case. And so many times we can look around at one another and we have no idea. We really don't. And that's why we have to just get in each other's lives and love violently. (laughs) So anyway... I've always been a dreamer. I uh, thought for sure I would be like a missionary someday in a a hut with five children. And uh, then for a while I thought I would be a pastor's wife and end up in Texas. But God's ways are so much higher than mine, and I am so thankful. Um, But, you know, as a dreamer, you start to get these ideas of what you want your life to look like and who so far has it worked out totally perfectly from what you thought yeah that's what I thought okay so this process of identity it starts with surrender and this is this is the hard part this is the painful part a couple years ago um, I had been um, on staff at GPC for nine and a half years and then um, I of course was raising my kids I took that position two months after Zachary was born and so I was juggling being a mom and then I was juggling being a, <clears throat> a worship director and then I was also having to work part-time because I had no choice at a property management company and um, over the years you know we all as women juggle so many things and it became increasingly difficult, and I felt farther and farther away from um, just the dreams that I had and the things that I, I thought God had said to me, um, even in the middle of all this blessing. Okay, so fast forward to 2009, um, a major shift began to happen in my life, and it required a lot of letting go, which was extremely painful. Um, I had to let go of my position at the church, and I had to work more at this property management company because we needed the money. And I've worked since I was 14 years old. So 
you know, I've been there. If you're a working mom, I totally get that. Having to, you know, take a break in the bathroom and try to pump, you know, because you've got this nursing baby and go home and you're just completely overwhelmed or trying to bring the baby with you to work. And, oh, I just hated that. Um, But um, I had to work more. And I, I knew it was the right thing to do. And I did it. And it was probably one of the most difficult things because I hated this job. <laughs> Property management. And, um, oh, and it, to, you know, to willingly, like, add a whole lot of more of that burden into your life because you know it's the right thing to do is a difficult thing. And so I did that. And uh, I started to feel very isolated. Um, you know, we all love a pity party. <laughs> and I was doing that quite a bit. Um, and then it got worse and worse and the the work situation got worse and worse and worse. And, um, I mean, it was, it was just oppressive, you know, and you're dealing with unhappy people all the time. And then the work environment, you know, everybody started getting just really, uh, just angry. And, and so the whole environment walking into was just like oppressive and dark and, you know, I would do whatever I could do to muster up the internal reservoir to make it through the day, and it was just literally making it through the day. You know, meanwhile, you've got, you know, the demands of being a mom, and, you know, you're still involved with whatever you can be with church and worship and all that kind of stuff, housekeeping, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? So it got to a point where, um, looking back, I, I was depressed, I really was. I was emotionally and completely depleted on every possible level. And I was really depressed. I was surviving. Um, I was not contending. I was surviving. One is with hope. One is without hope. And um, just to give you an idea, I'm going to read a little bit of my journal from there. And uh, perhaps it will resonate with with some of you. I remember sitting at my desk not too long ago. Um, I have to give just a brief history here. They moved my workstation. I had my own office, and part of the crumbling of this work environment was they moved me into a storage room that they literally called the pit of despair. (laughs) And uh, I thought, I couldn't write this. Like, this is just crazy. So I had to work two years in the pit of despair. Okay, so this is what I'm saying. I remember sitting at my desk in the pit of despair and forcing myself to take deep breaths to still the anxiety and stress building in my chest, dreaming of a day when I could just simply stare out the window and watch leaves on a tree sway in the wind all day long. Purpose is a big deal to me. It always has been. I've always been a dreamer and a big-picture girl. So if I can find a purpose in something, it makes the process, albeit painful, bearable. The last several years of my life have been a painful process, to say the least. Not on a spiritual level, not so much on a physical one, but I now know what it is like to come to the end of my emotional reservoir, eking out the last drop until I am absolutely and 100% bankrupt. I know what it's like to feel alive only in the literal sense. I know what it's like to feel like there's a two-ton brick on my chest and every breath is an effort of epic proportion. 
I know what it's like to cry a lot because if I don't, I'll explode. I know what it's like to go to bed exhausted and wake up even more exhausted at the thought of another day. The feeling of dread and despair I am all too familiar with. I know what it's like to feel numb in my own life and hopeless. My heart was sick. I know what it's like to go from a daily walk with the Lord to be a minute-by-minute to a minute-by-minute desperation for His sustaining grace. Can anybody relate? (laughs) I know what it's like to be holding on to an anchor in the ground while being beat up by the wind and elements surrounding me that are determined to destroy me. And with every ounce of my effort and downright stubbornness left inside, I hold on to that anchor. It's as if I can see the beaten up knuckles and blood on my hands from gripping on so tightly because I know that if I let go, I'll be swept away and lost for good. So I ask myself, what was the purpose? What is the purpose of this season? To a large degree, I was the reason I was in that season. Maybe some bad choices, harassment, whatever. But more than that, there was a pruning being taken place by the great vine dresser because he saw greater fruit. The bottom line is that he did sustain me, and even if I had let go, he wouldn't have. I gave up, but he didn't. I felt numb, but he was alive in me and building a framework and a history in my life that proves to me that all things work together for the good of those who are loved and called according to his purpose. I lived that. I'm living that. So that's where I was. And he starts speaking to me about surrender. And I'm like, are you kidding? What, what do I possibly have to surrender? I mean, I feel like I've you know, lost all hope. What, you know, what, can I possibly, what can I possibly let go of? And so the first thing I want to talk to you about is surrender and letting go. With that context in mind, okay? Um, this is the cool thing about God because he knows when we're ready to hear something. And I'll tell you what, he is ready to jump on it when we let go and when we surrender. And so it was in one of my times. I had, you know, 15, 20 minutes before I had to go into work for this other day and just kind of try to survive through it. And uh, <clears throat> I was sitting and, and I was reading through John. And I came to the scripture in John 3 when John the Baptist, you know, was on the scene and he had this following of disciples. And then um, Jesus suddenly comes on the scene and his disciples are like, he's getting all the attention now. Like, what do you think about that? And John understood. And he said, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. And how, how the bride longs to hear the voice of the bridegroom. And the whole point is he must increase and I must decrease. And when, when I read that, the whole oh, just reality of the fact that I have given up my rights already to my life. I did that a long time ago. Like, I belong to Jesus. I know that my life is not my own. Just began to hit me in a fresh way. And I realized that I had actually picked up my desire to control my life and do what I want. Um, you know, I, I picked it up again. And, and, it, and it became something I was trying to control. And so that morning I said, okay, Lord, I surrender. Okay, I surrender. That's right. My life is not my own. Okay, I'm letting go. I'm letting go. If this is, if this is the season that you have for me and this is the life that you have for me, I know it's good because I know you're good. I surrender. I surrender. 
a week later, this is, I just want to share some of this testimony because I hope it encourages you. So a week later, I actually came to the Connection Church, and they had a special speaker, and his whole point was about surrender and let go. And then a few weeks later, I was at a conference up in uh, Camarillo, and I had some prophetic ministry, and this lady saw... um, this picture of me standing in front of this big mountain and there was jagged rocks coming out from it. And the Lord came up and said, climb this. And I said, cool, I can do this. So I grabbed on the rock and, you know, got my place and started to climb. And he's like, no, 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 stop. Let go. Step back. Climb it like this with open hands. And I'm saying to the Lord, how is that even possible? (laughs) If I can't grip, how can I climb? But he was saying, I'm going to do the work. You surrender, you let go, and I will cause you to soar. That very same afternoon, Mary Puplava Sr. sends me an email, and she says, I was thinking about you this morning, and I came across this story of the heather plant, who um, the story starts off, there's a big mountain with jagged rocks, and the Lord goes to a honeysuckle, a rose, and an oak tree and says, will you grow on this rock, on this mountain. And they all said no for different reasons. Harsh environment, too windy, too cold, not good soil, blah, blah, blah. They all declined. And so he goes to the heather plant and says, Heather, will you go and grow up on this jagged mountain? And I'm like freaking out a little bit by now because there's so many things that are starting to pop. Like, okay, that's really what you're saying to me, Lord. Surrender, let go, let go. The very next morning, we're getting ready for church. My boys, who do not normally watch TV on Sunday mornings, they are watching Man vs. Wild. And this particular episode um, was Bear Grylls in Scotland. And the entire episode was how many uses he could make out of Heather in Scotland to walk across mud. He made boots out of them. He made, I mean, he used Heather to catch fish, like all these things. I'm going, whoa, this is crazy. And then Cynthia, love Cynthia, she calls and leaves me this voicemail message, and she says, beautiful Heather, I see you, and you're up on a mountain, raising your hands in surrender and saying, more of you, okay? Then... I know. This all happened in a period of like three and a half weeks. I'm at work. I have to call a resident and leave a a message over some stupid parking issue. (laughs) And so it goes to the answer machine, and our answering machine says, blah, 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 dot, dot, dot. Thought for the day. When it's time to let go, let go. (laughs) God bless you, pep. I'm telling you. Like, the message was loud and clear. Surrender and let go. And it was, it was that in the place of being so discouraged and so disillusioned that God began to speak to me about this. And that is the key that unlocked the rest that I want to talk to you about. So we start with surrender, and we start to let go. Where does that bring us into? It brings us into abiding. And I want to read Psalm 91. If you have your Bibles, open it up to it, because it's just so great. I had this psalm printed out and at my desk for I don't know how many years, and I would look at it several times a week 
and I would um, I would just be so desperate. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrows that flies by day. If you have little boys, that might be literal. (laughs) Nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because she loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue her. I will protect her, for she acknowledges my name. She will call upon me, and I will answer her. I will be with her in trouble. I will deliver her and honor her, and with long life will I satisfy her and show her my salvation. All of those things, all of that protection, all of that covering from the things of life that we all encounter, all of that starts with abiding under the wings abiding in his presence you'll notice verse one he who dwells will rest the abiding precedes the rest what does this boil down to time time spending time with the lord read the bible It's really okay to take it slow, too. It's really okay to just read, like, a verse. Whatever comes alive to you that day, that's what you're supposed to get. We've got to stop being so religious and like, oh, I've got to read through the Bible chronologically, or I've got to, you know, read at least five chapters, or I'm not a real Christian. Like, read until something comes alive, and then stop. That's what you're supposed to get that day. Sometimes it'll happen in the first verse. Some days maybe you'll have a little bit more time and and you'll be able to press in a little further and you'll get something. But get something. And there's so many like great devotional books. You can read a little paragraph. You know, there's just, there's ways to get the word in your heart because if you don't know what he said, you don't know what he's saying. It gives you, it gives you the, the, the framework to hear his voice when you know what his word says. Worship is the second big thing for abiding. And this is, this is super easy. Like you don't have to be a worship leader. You don't have to play an instrument or sing. There, are a pl- there is a plethora of worship music that is out there that is super anointed. If you, need, if you need ideas, just ask me. I will give you a whole list of things. And just play it. Just play it. Have it playing in your house. Have it playing in your car. There is something that invokes the presence of the Lord when you're just listening to worship. 
And the third thing, which is really hard but really critical, is just silence. Just being still. Just sitting and abiding. Just quiet. And I know that's hard for some of you that have a lot of kids and a lot of craziness, but I forget who it was. She used to put the uh, towel or blanket over her head and all of her kids would be playing around her. Yeah. And they would, and, and they would, that's how, that would be her quiet time. <laughs> so do what you can to find that place of peace and quiet and just listening, not where there's any conversation necessarily, but just peace, peace, peace. Some seasons in your life are going to give you more time for this than others. You know, there have been times when I had, you know, five minutes to spend, and there's been times when I've had a few hours to spend. The point is spend it because you are creating a momentum in your life. You are creating something God can work with. I look at it like digging a well. And, you know, those seasons when you can only dig a little bit, fine. But at least you're creating this expanse within you, within your life, that God can come and fill. I love what uh, Graham Cook says. He says, there are times when we wait on God and nothing happens, but that's okay. Because if he doesn't speak initially, he will eventually. This is a journey. This is a, this is a lifelong thing. This is not boom, 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 one, two, three, you know, I'm a super Christian. This is a life message, a life journey. We were never meant to run on empty. Connection with God is where everything has to begin. This sense of abiding, okay? So what that does is it leads you into a place of rest. And um, I don't, I, I can't even tell you how it happens. It just happens. <laughs> like when you, when you're carving out that time, and and when you are, you know, we're, we're doing our part. We're co-laboring with the Lord, and um, we come to that place. I, all of a sudden. You realize, like, this storm that's been raging inside my heart suddenly started to kind of slow down, slow down, slow down, still, still. And all of a sudden, it, I mean, it's like there's just a still, calm lake internally. And it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? How cool is that? The striving stopped. And I simply became. was giving the Lord time and space even in little increments or large increments giving him time to rewire recalibrate and refresh and I don't understand how he does it but I promise you he does it I promise you he does it once the striving stopped suddenly clarity started coming And I started recognizing, like, oh, I had picked up this yoke, put it on me, walking out. Oh, I had picked up this yoke, put it on me. That's why I felt so heavy. I'm picking up stuff that doesn't belong to me. I'm doing things that doesn't belong to me. It's not my assignment. <laughs> and you start, and I started to recognize that. Matthew 11:30 says, for in the Amplified, my yoke is wholesome, it's useful, good. It's not harsh, hard, 
sharp or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. A burden is light and easy to be borne. If you feel like you have a heavy yoke, get to that place and and let the Lord show you what you picked up that doesn't belong to you. The third thing that happens with this rest is the atmosphere around me started changing. I was noticing a change even in my family and my home and the relationship with AJ. And you you just you start to carry it with you, this this rest, and and people start noticing it on you. And I'm telling, you, it's like it's hard it's hard to grasp like what it is. It's just God. It's it's like it's the rest of God. It affects our atmosphere, our relationships, our children, our spouse, our friends. We become a carrier of this rest. <clears throat> it's like Pigpen and Charlie Brown, you know, when he's got all that stuff turned up around him. Only it's, it's in a good sense. Like you, whatever atmosphere is in here in your heart is going to be swirling around you. And I'm telling you, peace is so much greater. It's worth every ounce of effort you can get to get there. The last thing that really happens when you find that place of stillness is you instantly recognize a disturbance in the force. You really do. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden I'm tethered to this place of rest and stillness and it won't let me get it won't let me get too far from it cuz I'm tethered to it. I'm anchored to that. And I know there's a difference between a stirring and, and a disturbance, something that's like thrown in that just sends the water out of control. And you start to recognize that and you start to protect that peace. And um, and you just, you know that you know that you know when God is doing something and when it, it's, it's something else that, that is not from him. And uh, that is the place to walk in. That's the confidence he wants us to walk in. Um, So surrender to letting go, to abiding, which brings us into rest, which brings us to identity. Vertical identity first. Who are we individually? I am going to zip through this list. These are all based on scriptures that if you want them, I have them. But you are a child of God. You are a branch of the true vine. You are a conduit of Christ's life, a friend of Jesus. You've been justified and redeemed. You were crucified with Christ. You are no longer a slave to sin. You've been set free from the law. You're a child of God, a fellow heir with Christ. You're accepted by him. You're a saint. You have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are joined to the Lord. You are one with him. You are led in triumph and the knowledge of Christ. You are a new creature. You are the righteousness of God. You're no longer a slave but an heir. You are set free. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You're chosen, holy, blameless, redeemed, forgiven, predestined to obtain an inheritance. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You've been made alive with Christ. You're seated with him in heavenly places. You are God's workmanship, created to produce good works. You're a partner of his promise. You have boldness, confidence. You are righteous and holy. You are the light of God. 
citizen of heaven. He supplies all your needs. You've been made complete. You are raised up. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. I mean, this is who he says we are. This is our identity. This is our absolute identity in him. And then God, he's so good. He comes along and he also like gives you a whole lot of prophetic words. That's how heaven sees you. You hold on to those like they're gold. That's how heaven sees you. You start to see the patterns of what God is speaking into your life over the years. You keep a good record of that and you remind yourself of those things. So we get this vertical identity in this place of rest. Because all the striving has ceased. The clarity has come. We begin to recognize that atmosphere. And then God starts speaking to us. And he reminds us of the things that he's been saying. And you just, you just walk in this level of peace and confidence that is just effortless. Because you figure, you know, if I never do anything else in my life, I'm his. I belong to him. And and as trite as that might sound or religious as that might sound, it literally becomes enough. <laughs> and you're like, wow, I belong to you, Jesus. That is so amazing. And that reality you start to walk in. And, and then... It's like it fills your heart, and this is the second part of identity that I think is so exciting for us. It starts to spill out, okay? And our, we start to, to rub off and spill on other people. And here's what I really believe, is that God is wanting to call us as a company of women into a place of personal identity and rest so that we can have corporate identity and rest. Who are we as a community? Bill Johnson said recently, there is no personal loss when people around you thrive. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. And you can only say that when you know who you are in Christ. Because then you suddenly are looking at all the people in your life and you're going, ooh, I know who you are too. You're amazing. You're called. Zachary recently turned 12 and we had a party for him. And uh, he had his little friends over. And one of his friends, bless his little heart, he's very insecure and his family's kind of always full of drama. And so everything in the party, you know, all the cards that he was opening from his other friends and he would get super excited about, his, this little friend would be like, well, I gave you a card and, well, I did this. And, I mean, he was just like everything that was good, that was going on for Zachary and all of the blessing that he was getting from his other little friends like was interpreted in his grid to this direct attack against who he was. And I just felt so grieved for him. And I thought, you know what? That's what we do. When we're not secure in who we are and when we don't know what our identity is in the Lord, we look at everything else and everybody else and it becomes this gigantic toxic comparison of what we're not instead of who we are. When we don't feel confident about we are, the successes, the giftings, the anointings on somebody else cause us to feel even more insecure. It makes us want to withdraw. It makes us want to isolate ourselves. Or 
we do the try on Saul's armor thing and I'll try to pretend like I'm walking in this anointing, but there's absolutely no fruit and there's no effectiveness. Or we try to do something that somebody else is, is strong in and it just doesn't fit. And we get frustrated and it's aggravating. Or we respond with jealousy. We, we get angry even. I mean, come on, let's just be honest, you know. But here's what God's wanting to do. He wants women who are radically confident and at rest in who they are so that we can become one another's cheerleaders. I'm telling you, I feel this so strongly. Suddenly we are free to celebrate one another. And then we begin to see the gold that's in everybody. And then... We take it a step further and it's like, I am not going to let you settle for less. Because if we're left to ourselves, we will settle for something lesser. That's why we need each other. And I look around the room and I see some of the most amazing, compassionate, strong, mighty, and anointed women I have ever known in my entire life. And I am not just saying that. There are powerhouses in here. And what the enemy has tried to do is he's tried to get us to love less, to think less. And God is trying to shake us out of that. He is trying to rewire our mindset so we know that we know that we know who we are in Christ first. But that does not happen if we are not abiding And the biting does not happen if we have not surrendered and let go. It's time. It's time for a new movement. (laughs) Why? Because, and here's the big picture, and I'm going to end with this, and we're going to go into worship. This is so interesting. Okay. The Israelites. They were delivered out of Egypt. Why? Because there was a promise of land, right? Territory. God gave them a promise and said, I'm going to deliver you out of this. And he did. So they're in the desert. And they somehow forget all these wonderful things that God did, these miracles that just blows my mind, but they forget it. They start to grumble. They start to complain. And they have to wander the desert for 40 years, okay, until every last one of them is dead so that God can raise up another generation, a Joshua generation, to take the promised land. This is what is so interesting. I was so excited, Katrin knows. We were like freaking out this week over this. Psalm 95. It's talking about it's talking it's talking about how the Israelites hardened their hearts. So Psalm 95:8, harden not your heart as at Meribah and as at Massa in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tried my patience and tested me, proved me, and saw my work of judgment. Forty years long was I grieved and disgusted with that generation, and I said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, and they do not approve, acknowledge, or regard my ways. This is what's interesting. Wherefore, I swore in my wrath that they would not enter my rest. 
the land of promise. So the Israelites could not enter into God's rest, which was the promised land. How does that apply to us today, you ask? I'm glad you asked. Because in Hebrews, Hebrews 3, 4, read through it. It's so cool. It's talking about this very same thing, okay? But it's talking about how we are invited into God's rest today. There's an invitation today to enter into God's rest. Therefore, Hebrews 4.1, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered today, let us be afraid to distrust it, lest any of you should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. Verse 3, For we who have believed, adhered to, and trusted in and relied on God do enter that rest in accordance with his declaration. Down in verse 7, again, he sets a definite day, a new today, and gives another opportunity of securing that rest. Saying through David, after so long a time, in the words already quoted, today, today, if you hear his voice, I'm prophesying right now, and when you hear it, don't harden your hearts. Don't, don't not believe this. There is still awaiting a full and complete Sabbath rest reserved for the true people of God. For he who has once entered God's rest also has ceased from the weariness and pain of human labor, just as God rested from those labors. Hebrews 4.11 So let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest of God to know and experience it for ourselves. So what is the rest of God according to Psalm 95? It's the promised land. This is the big picture, you guys. This is the big picture. We are still entering into the promised land. We are still, there is territory to be taken. Okay? The promised land is the nations of the world. It's people. And God is wanting a people who have so surrendered, so abided into rest, into identity of who they are, so that he can give them the assignment of the nations. This is what God wants. We're called to inherit the nations. People, friends at school, whoever you know, wherever you go, you are a person with an assignment to reach that those in your life. Because he wants all people... <laughs> He wants all nations worshiping him. That is the big picture. That is why, like, it's not just so that I feel better about going through my life and I'm a little more comfortable. Like, no, it's 
bigger than that. You are not insignificant. Your role in the kingdom is not insignificant. There are thousands in you. Thousands in you. Throughout your life, easily thousands in you that God wants you to reach. The bottom line is that there is coming a time when all of creation, all created things will resound with Revelation 11.15. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. That is the target. That is the goal. That is the big picture. That is the vision. That is why it is so critical that we are walking in a confidence and a rest, knowing that who we are, we are fierce. <laughs> don't, don't mess with us. <laughs> it's time to get land. It is time to get people And I know that that probably terrifies some of you. But if you start in this process, if you start with the surrender and he leads you into that place of abiding and that place of rest, he gives you everything you need to complete your assignment. And we all have a different assignment. We have similar ones corporately, but certainly individually, and they're different. And when you're confident in that identity, you don't, you don't envy somebody else's assignment. You don't even envy if they have a greater anointing than you. That just means their assignment's different. That's all it means. You know, and God, he's been speaking this to me so much lately. Like, he knows what I can handle when I can handle it. And so I have to trust his timing and I have to trust his process in my life. So what I feel like he wants us to do, and um, Wayne, are you back there? Excellent. We're going to get ready to play the CD. I felt like he wanted, um, I picked some very specific songs that we're just going to listen to and worship to. Um, And I feel like what the Holy Spirit wants us to do is identify where in the process we are. He wants to show us where we are. Do we need... Do we need to surrender? And can I just say that this is this is a cycle? <laughs> you know, you think you're like, oh, all the way I'm so confident and I know my identity. And then he shows you something else. You're like, oh, that's right. So I have to go back to surrender, let go. This is, this is not something that we can just check off our lists, okay? And I'm a total list person. I will actually write something on a list that I've already done just so I can cross it off. <laughs> Anybody else? Yes! Woo! Love it! I wish these kind of lessons were like that. Oh, I wish. It would be so much easier. But it's not. These are, it's like glory to glory to glory to glory. Brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. There's momentum always. But it's not like we ever arrive. So I'm, I'm totally in this process too, okay? Uh, I've absolutely not arrived. But I'm getting there because I'm letting God build that momentum in my life. And so as we listen to these songs, if you have paper, whatever, and you want to write down things the Lord is speaking to you, where you're at in this process, because I feel like there's going to be a grace later that I want to impart 
to surrender even when it's hard. To let go of disappointment and personal failure and offense, deep offense, to like just to be able to let go of those things because that's got to be where it starts. You cannot get into that rest. You cannot get into that identity if you're holding on to things. And then you could be offended at God. <laughs> you know. So we're going to listen to these songs. Just listen. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And then out of that time, we're going to go into worship and we're just going to give him everything we've got because he is so good. Go ahead, Brandon.